Today I like to say I think that these uh, readings are, they don't go far enough. You know, the Gospel today, which we're going to start with, and then we're going to go back to the second reading. If you go to the Gospel, it's Luke chapter 16, and it goes down to verse 14. It stopped at 13, but 14 gives us a little bit of perspective on it. Because it says in verse 14 and 15, The Pharisees who loved money heard all these things and sneered at him, because they loved money. But then it says, And Jesus said to them, You justify yourself in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is in human esteem is also an abomination in the sight of God. So here, God was looking, and Jesus looks at them and says, God knows your heart. You know, is your heart fixed on the world, or is your heart fixed on heaven? And though they sat there and tried to justify themselves before others, you know, people thought they were holy, people thought they were great. Jesus says, God knows your heart. And so that's what we got to focus on today, first of all. Where is our heart? Because, again, we know Jesus says, where your heart is, there your treasure lies. Is our heart in the world, or is it in heaven? Is it with Christ? And so, again, and he uses just one example. He talks about money. You know, about these people that love money. But it's not the only example. That what God is saying is you cannot have a divided heart. We can't love two things like that. We can't serve two things like that. We're either a servant of one and hate the other, as it says, or we're a servant of the other and hate the one. So what is it that I truly love? And again, Jesus helps us to discern that in the beginning because he tells the parable of the steward who is dishonest. And then when he finds out that he's going to get it, he thinks, oh, I'm going to have to take care of myself. He's a little selfish son of a so-and-so. And he goes and he calls in all the people and he makes them his friends so when he gets it, he will be okay. Now, this parable looks at him, the owner says, well, one, well, well done. You knew how to do that. You knew how to take care of yourself for this world. And then the parable goes on and Jesus looks at the people and says, listen, look at how the worldly do it so well. And yet you... Don't even do it as well when it comes to eternal life. And again, what does that mean? He's saying that we put a lot of time and energy in the things that are passing away, and they don't count. And yet, that's where we put most of our time and energy into it, huh? That's all that matters to some people. You know, that I have a lot of money, that I have a good house, that I have a nice car, and we work for these things. And yet, when it comes to eternal life, we don't do it. You know, and you've got to look at about how do you spend your time and energy? How much time do you dedicate to your work and all that kind of stuff? How much time do you dedicate to making money? Which is necessary. My gosh, of course it is. But we spend extra time with our things to get us to heaven. Again, to use the example I've used before. If a kid comes to me and says, Father, we want to be state champions of football. I say, great, what are you doing about it? Well, we work out six hours every day, Father. Ooh. And they put all this time and energy into doing all this stuff. And now it's been almost a year that we've won state champions. And who the heck cares? Nobody. 
It's a nice book you can read. And everybody, hey, he was good once. But when a guy is 50 years old in a pot belly like this and bald hair, they're going to say, hey, I was a state champion one day. And they're going to say, yeah, right, Dad. We've heard this story 100,000 times. Nobody cares. And yet, they put six hours a day, every day, into doing that to win a crown that's now gone and nobody cares about. And yet, if I ask the same person, do you want to go to heaven? Oh, yes, Father. What are you doing about it? Uh, well, what do you mean? I said, what are you doing to prove that you want to go to heaven? Uh, I pray every once in a while. Oh, you don't want to go to heaven, son. It's that simple. You don't sit there and tell me you want to go to heaven and you're doing nothing for it. Hey, I go to Mass once a week, Father. Woo! That if we're going to live forever, we got to be doing If people of the world will put all this time and energy in the things that are fleeting, what do we do for the eternal crown of salvation, which is a gift of Jesus Christ to us? Yes, but we have to work with the gift, just like the gift of all these great football players we had last year. That was a gift from God. They were born that way. But then they had to take what God gave them naturally and work with it and develop it. The same thing with us. Salvation is a gift to us by God. But that which has been given to us, we must work with and develop if we're going to run and win the race. Paul says, again, using an example of athletics, run so as to win. So, how do we look at that? Well, first we look at a time we dedicate to prayer, which we've talked about almost every week here. Do I have quality time? Is it, you just can't fit it into your day. Is quality time of me set aside for the Lord? Do I spend quality time reading the Word of God? You know, I, it drives me crazy how many people read novels from cover to cover all night. Oh, this novel is so good. And they'll sit there and read a 600-page novel, which I have never done in my life. And they'll sit there and go crazy over that and spend all this time. And I say, how much do you spend reading the Word of God? Oh, Father, you're going to read a novel. You darn well better start reading the Word of the Lord. How much do you do with your money? You spend it all on yourself and take care of yourself? Or are you a generous person with your money? Are you truly, is your heart fixed on the world and money or fixed on giving it away? Generous. Are you a generous person? How about your time? Do you spend quality time with your kids? We talked about that a little last week. I mean, quality time. Why didn't I guess I talked about that downstairs. You know, we spend time and we make sure we have time for work and different things. You know, you've got to spend the time with the family. If you're not having dinner together as a family at least once a week, you're a failure as a family. Let me say that again. Father, don't be so hard. I'm being very hard. If you don't have dinner as a family at least once a week, you don't do well as a family. It's that bad. Yes, you should be having family dinner almost every day. I know there's football, there's basketball, there's this. Nice. If you have to have dinner together at 9 o'clock at night, do it. Work at making the family the core reality of the world. Spend time with that, because trust me, when your kids get older, they're not going to look back and think, ooh, they did, we, I got to play football and ballerina and all that stuff. They're going to remember how much time you spent together at the dinner table. Trust me on that. 
So do we make that a priority? God knows our heart. Is our family a priority? So i got to be sitting there looking before the Lord and saying, where is my heart? Is it in the world or is it in what really matters? To work for everlasting life? Do I read the Bible? Do I spend time in the Word of God? Do I dedicate myself to my family? Am I sitting there reading spiritual helps that will help you? You know, like, a, I love spiritual reading. You know, some of the great authors, you know, when you talk about Carlo Coretto, who I've read every one of Carlo's books, spiritual reading, that's how I grow in my heart, is to help others and help and read these spiritual things that will help you to grow. Max Licato, he has great insights. He's not Catholic, but he has great insights. Do, am I doing spiritual reading to grow? Where is my heart? Okay? So that's what we first got to look at. And then we go and we listen to St. Paul today. And as we go to St. Paul, which was in the, uh, uh, the Timothy, and this is another one I say, I don't know why they stop. I think they're always afraid to, to go on. But if you go, it's in your book 1308, or it's uh, 2 Timothy 1, Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And it starts off at first verse 1. First of all, he wants us to pray. But uh, just briefly here, this is for Jackie. Just briefly here, if you go down to verse 9, it stopped at uh, verse 8. It says, similarly, women should adorn themselves with proper conduct, with modesty, da, da, da. But then I love the key, go down to verse 10. But rather as befits women who profess reverence for God with good deeds. A woman must receive instruction silently and under complete control. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. She must be quiet. Now that I got all the women mad at me, I just kind of thought it'd be a nice thing to say. It's the word of the Lord. I didn't say this. God said it. What do you want from me? <laughs> a true sign of the devil when you're trying to cut off the word of God. <laughs> but anyway, let's. Let's go back. Let's not, you know, bring out the full Word of God. Just what God gave us today at church. And uh, the first thing it says is when we come to our hearts, is our hearts must be people. We need to be people that are praying for our leaders. And don't you think that's quite appropriate for today? And this type of country where we're going, we've got to be praying for the gift of discernment for our leaders, especially for President Bush and the Congress, that we would be a country that does God's will, and just doesn't retaliate, we need to be really every day, and I hope everybody here is doing that, that we're praying for our leaders. And that's the first part, and it says do that. And that means, that's part of what it is. Am I living for the world, or am I living for the next world? Am I praying for my leaders that they would have a good gift of discernment, and not just, let's get those so-and-sos, huh? But then you go on, because then it says, this is good and pleasing to do that. But then in verse 4 it says, God wills everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of His truth. That also includes the Muslims. That also includes the Taliban. That also includes the terrorists. That's what that includes. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of His truth. Is that what kind of prayers I'm praying now? For my country, that we would discern God's will and do His will as a nation? 
And do I pray, as we heard last week, for our enemies, that they would be saved, that they would come to the knowledge of truth, that they would get to sit next to me in heaven? Is that the goal of my heart? Am I living for this world? Get them! Or am I... Sorry, Carl. Or am I... <laughs> I just gave Carl a heart attack. Or am I living... <laughs> or am I living for heaven? Because it says it is God's will and pleasing that we pray for those in authority and as we've heard before, that we pray for our enemies. So today... As we look at the Word of God, and the Word of God speaks to us, He speaks to us about who are we serving. Are we living for this world or for the next? And the way He does that is He looks at our heart. And He looks at what we do with the gifts that God has given us. You got it? You get it? Good. Nature you know is love today and forever. Amen.